Today in the Journey from Steve DeWitt, a message on the majesty and meekness of our King. But it is the enormity of the gap between who Jesus is and who we are and how he serves us that has to astonish us. We can't ever get over that reality. And trust me, one second after you die and you see the glory of Christ in heaven, you are going to be astonished again that he would serve little old me. Can you imagine a queen working as a housekeeper or a prince shining shoes? Such ideas seem almost inconceivable in earthly monarchies. Yet our heavenly monarch, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, willingly became a servant for us. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve shares a message about the powerful, symbolic moment when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. You can listen to more messages online at thejourney.fm. And now here's Pastor Steve with a message titled, The King Who Washes Feet. Well, as you know, the, uh, the big news over the last week or so has been uh, the death of the Queen of England, Elizabeth II. And I am glad to tell you that I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and uh, so she passed away. She uh, long reigned, longest reigning monarch in the history of, uh, of England. And uh, all of the headlines were about her this week. Her reign, her wealth, her family, drama in the family, uh, and of course, her funeral. And I am a bit of an Anglophile, so I enjoy watching those things and sort of the pageantry that uh, the British are so good at. And uh, I, I plan on watching more of it this week because her funeral is coming up here this week. And it is, it is predicted to be the single most watched TV event in, in history. Uh, and they're, I don't know how they determine that, but that's what they're saying. Another indication of her uh, popularity the wait in line to see her casket reached 14 hours. And you think Six Flags is bad, right? <laughs> 14 hours, and people were doing it just to walk past her casket. The title of my message today is The King Who Washes Feet. The King Who Washes Feet. One of the things that stood out to me as I watched this, uh, all, all of this news about her is that there is something about Queen Elizabeth that she is, is given credit for beginning that now to us seems so common, we can't imagine it not ever being the way that it was. But apparently it was Queen Elizabeth that started what they call the walkabout, okay, the walkabout. Apparently prior to her, the, the royals would remain cloistered in their palaces and in their cal uh, castles, and, and uh, they rarely came out to let anybody see them. They just sort of remained tucked away in their royalty. But when Queen Elizabeth became uh, the queen, she started walking about. When there would be crowds of people, she would, she would go down and she would you know, walk by them. And she might even pause and, and shake a hand or two and maybe hold a baby uh, or something that maybe just sort of, you know, wave like this. 
And the, they, they were astounded by that because they had never seen a royal that would actually get in any kind of proximity to them or to be seen in person at all. Yet here she was, right here near us, close to us, walking past us, and the British people loved her for it. Of course, today's politicians, this is standard practice. Uh, we expect the politicians every ele election cycle to start doing this kind of thing. And as you know, they, uh, during the election cycle, they are likely to show up at a, at a diner or at a county fair. Uh, and sort of walk around and be amongst the normal people, you know, and be seen around the hoi polloi. There they are. They might even do something like serve in a soup kitchen. And they will do all these things on one condition, that the media is there to photograph them doing it and to broadcast it to everyone else. Uh, they want everyone to know about their humble service. If the media doesn't show up, they're probably not showing up either. Why do they do that? They do that because their motive is power, and we are a means to that end for them, and we just get used to that being the way that it is. How different is Jesus? And if you want to know what my message is about today, I just want, you, I want to point out how different Jesus is. He doesn't need our votes. He has all power. He is sovereign king of the universe. Jesus, the son of God, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And other than the cross itself, the best picture of this that we have is in this little cloistered room with no media there, with 12 disciples and Jesus, where he takes up the basin and the towel and he washes the feet of his disciples. And in that, as we saw last week, he was not so much cleaning their feet as he was cleansing their hearts, or wanting to. And last Sunday, we started this series, we talked about because uh, we're gonna be in this for quite some time, we, we went into some detail about the upper room and how they would have uh, you know, reclined when they ate. They didn't sit at a table like we would. They reclined when they ate. And how, uh, speculatively a little bit, who sat where? And Jesus at the head table, John next to him to lay his, his head on his shoulder. Peter at a different table because he signals uh, John to ask Jesus a question. And then, of course, we have... Uh, the creepy reality that most likely next to Jesus uh, the whole time was Judas Iscariot. Today, we are going to be looking at the next section here in John 13, which is verses 12 through 17. I'm going to read a little bit of last week's uh, section before we get into it. So here is John 13. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wrapped around him. You know, as we saw last week, this whole washing of feet, this was something that the servant of the house would do. Maybe the host would do it, but it was really a servant activity. 
The disciples arrive at the, uh, at the upper room. There's, it's, it's a clandestine gathering there for the Passover meal. Uh, there's no servant there. The disciples are arguing about which one of them is the greatest. So when they get to the room and the basin and the towel are there, they maybe looked at it, looked at each other, and none of them was going to acknowledge that they were less than the other, and so all of them just reclined at the table, dirty feet and all. To wash the disciples' feet, it required Jesus to take a posture physically of, 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 of if you will, submission even. He in, gets on his knees and in a prost, prostrate way washes each one of their feet, dipping their foot in the basin, using the towel that is around him to wash off the dirt. What do you think that towel looked like after 24 feet? And we pick up now the story, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. May God bless his word to us here today. Let's take it apart. And the way I want to address this today is to ask the question, what does this teach us about Jesus? And then secondly, what does this mean for us? Okay, What does this teach us about Jesus? What does this whole foot washing thing indicate about our Lord and Savior? And again, after washing 24 feet, somehow we maybe missed the fact that to do this, that's the number that he was washing. Uh, Jesus asked them a question, and it really is the question for all of us here today. Do you understand what I have done to you? As you sit here today, friend, do you understand what the foot washing is actually all about? Why did Jesus do this. And maybe you're here today and your answer is the same as the disciples because if they were honest, they would say, we don't know. I mean, Peter clearly had no idea what this was all about. You remember, he says, well, give me a shower then, okay? He just was sort of clueless about the whole thing. And really, the rest of the disciples at that point certainly did not understand. And so Jesus now explains why he has done this so that they can understand, and by the way, through the scriptures, so we can understand what he was doing when he washed these feet. To explain it, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. Okay, and so this is kind of self-evident. He was the rabbi. He was their teacher. Uh, they followed him. He was their Lord, and the word there isn't, doesn't require us to view this as a sort of sovereignty, theological kind of statement, but he was clearly in the hierarchy of the room. He's the head guy. He's the top dog, Jesus. He says, you call me Lord and teacher, and I have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Now think about this with me for a moment. He is making an argument from the greater to the lesser. He's the greater, and the, he's the greatest. <laughs> the greatest in that org chart, the one at the top, is the one who takes the lowest place. He goes from being at the top 
to a posture of being at the bottom and he serves them. And he serves them in the most humble way by washing their feet, wiping those dirty feet. And the point he is making here is if I, the Lord, the teacher, have humbled myself down to doing even this very basic thing, then how, how can you guys not be willing to do the same? Okay? So th- to realize in the org chart, Jesus is here, humanity is down here. It is a massive condescension for Jesus to go from where he is all the way down to actually putting himself under the disciples and washing their feet. If I will do this for you, is it so hard for you to do it for one another? There's no condescension in, in the eyes of God for humans to wash humans' feet because from the perspective of God, we're, we're all equal, okay? We are, we are all creatures. We are all, we're cr- the created order. We're human beings. In our society, maybe we have these little strata and different ways that we view people. But from God's perspective, we are all the same. Jesus is not the same. Jesus is, is the king. He is the Lord. And yet he came down and, and did this. Is it so hard, Bartholomew, for you to wash Andrew's feet? James, can you not wash your brother John's feet? If I'm gonna do what I have done, can't you do what you should do? That's his argument. Now, Jesus doesn't point this out, but there is one aspect of this that should really creep us out. And that is the reality of one particular pair of feet that Jesus washed. And you probably know who I'm talking about. Judas Iscariot. To realize that when Jesus went around the room washing the feet, he didn't come to Judas and go, nope, not you, and go right around him. No, he also tenderly washed Judas' feet. In fact, he washed his feet the same that he washed Peter, James, and John's feet, such that when he says, one of you will betray me, nobody there goes, well, did you see the way he washed Judas' feet? It was a tip-off that I don't think things are good between them. No, he was tender with Judas as well. His hands washed those treacherous feet of Judas. It is one thing to wash the feet of your friends. And Peter, James, and John apparently were as close as associates, his friends. That's one thing. But to wash the feet of your betrayer, to wash the feet of Judas, the very feet that would in very short order, carry Judas all the way to the religious authorities as he betrays him. The same feet that would then go from that spot in Jerusalem all the way down to Gethsemane. The same feet that would support Judas as he kisses Jesus on the cheek. Those feet are the feet that Jesus washed. As one writer points out, Judas betrays Jesus with clean feet. Now this says a lot about Judas, and we're gonna get into Judas next week, okay? But it tells us even more that is wonderful about Jesus Christ. And what should amaze us in this is the same thing that amazed the British people with Queen Elizabeth and her walking about. They thought to themselves, how could somebody of her status, 
of her, of her royalty. How could somebody like her actually come down and be in proximity with low-life people like us? The commoners like us. Isn't it wonderful that she, in her exaltation, humbles herself to walk past us and to wave at us and maybe to shake our hand? It's amazing what she did. And yet you realize that when Queen Elizabeth shook the hands of somebody in the, in the parade route, in God's eyes, that's an equal shaking the hands of an equal. That is a human being shaking the hands of a human being. In the upper room, what we have is even more astounding. We have the one who is of infinite worth and glory, infinite power, the true king of kings. We have that high and exalted one, not just walking around the room and waving as he goes by. He is personally, individually, washing the dirtiest place on them. He is personally and individually washing the lowest place on them. Get this. He who is in the highest place humbles himself and washes on the disciples their lowest place, their dirtiest place. Again, he didn't merely shake their hand. He didn't wave to them. But he stooped down and he served them and he cleaned them. And yes, this foreshadows what he's about to do on the cross as we see the extent of his servanthood and love. As he doesn't merely wash the feet of sinners, he gives his life for sinners like you and me. That's the extent of his servanthood. It is, it is complete. It is wonderful. But it is the enormity of the gap between who Jesus is and who we are and how he serves us that has to astonish us. And I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if you somehow have gotten over the fact that the highest one went to the lowest place and served the lowest people and you and I are one of them, you're missing out, okay? We can't ever get over that reality. And trust me, one second after you die and you see the glory of Christ in heaven, you are going to be astonished again that he would serve little old me. And so this is one dimension of our adoration of Jesus and truly our reverence of him. And he is so completely different than anybody else. Anybody else in history, anybody else that we know, he is so other. And the upper room highlights how different he is. And part of a proper Christology is realizing that Jesus holds within his character qualities that we view as basically in opposition to each other, or opposites, if you will. Like what? In the upper room, we see that he is Lord and he is love. Now, we know a lot of lords. Our world has lords, governing people, ruling people, the the the, uh, the ruling class, the people that seem to really be running the world, those folks none of whom probably are present here in the room right now, pretty sure not. Um, people like this are, they known for their sacrificial love. If you were to pick at random somebody that's really powerful in our day, are they remarkable in how they serve people? Probably not. 
People that are powerful have become powerful by accumulating power and they spend their life trying to add to it and hold to it. This is the world that we live in. Rare is the leader who has power who gives it away, in particular to serve other people. And yet think of Jesus with me. He has all authority, all glory is his. And what does he do with it? He sets it aside. He relinquishes it. And in doing so, he takes up the basin and the towel and he shows us what true greatness really is. And he serves a dirty humanity. The important one conducted himself with no self-importance. And that'd be a good lesson for so many of us who we want to portray to people we're so important and what we do is important and what I say or whatever is important and that sort of thing, to realize that the, the, the only real important person conducted themselves with no self-importance. His name is Jesus. And you know what we call that? Love. Love seeketh not its own. Love gives of itself for the good and joy of other people. Love delights in the happiness of others. And so when Jesus took up the basin and the towel, it was a kind of Queen Elizabeth walkabout moment, but on steroids, like way maximizing over that. We see that Jesus is filled with love and he shows his love to his disciples. He loved them to the end, John writes, and he does that by serving them. And by the way, he does that to us to this day by serving us, interceding at the right hand of God for us. He is Lord and love. He is also majesty and meekness. He is majesty and meekness. And these are, again, two qualities that we don't see together. We know people that are majestic, and, and, and we know people that are meek, but the majestic people we know are probably not the meek people that we know. Those two don't tend to go together. But this is what shocks us about Jesus, is that he, as the Son of God, is the most majestic one, the most glorious one. And yet he is simultaneously the meekest one, the humblest one, the serving one. And those two things are hard for us to see in one person. We're inspired and awed by the majesty and meekness of Christ. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the start of a message titled, The King Who Washes Feet. If you'd like to replay it online or share it with a friend, visit us online at thejourney.fm. That's where you can also find our complete message archive, send us an email, access relevant studies, or connect with our online community. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, here at The Journey, our mission is to guide you in your faith journey to the eternal truth of God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and web, we take our listeners into the depths of Scripture while making the truth easy to understand and applicable to daily life. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The Journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel to listeners all around the country. So would you join hands with us in our mission today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. 
That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And to express our gratitude for your gift today, we'll say thanks by sending you decision-making and the will of God. Does God have a perfect will for each Christian? Can you be absolutely certain of God's specific will for your life? Author Gary Friesen says yes and offers a biblical alternative to the traditional view on this topic. Discover how to find God's will for your own life when you request your copy today. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. Well, that's all our time for today. I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve continues his message about the King who washes feet. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.